In the heart of Baltimore City lies the ever-changing neighborhood of Mount Vernon. Everywhere you look, you seem to find scaffolding or an orange cone. Yet some things never change. Take a short bus trip from anywhere in the city, and you can see what is probably, aside from the marble statue of George Washington commanding southward on Charles Street, the most visible anchor of this part of town. That anchor is the city's gay and lesbian community. Traditionally, Mount Vernon has sort of been the center for you know, a lot of the cultural institutions like uh, the Peabody, the Walters Art Gallery, um, you know, lots of art galleries and restaurants in the area. So I think, you know, gays and lesbians tend to gravitate towards places like that. Craig Wiley is the executive director at the Gay, Lesbian, Bisexual, and Transgender Community Center of Baltimore. He sits in the center's computer lab, an array of internet workstations surrounded by ample windows which provide an abundance of natural light. He is joined by Gary Wolnitzik, the program director at the GLCCB. And some of the earliest um, LGBT bars actually opened shop in this area, um, which has probably created um, a sense of greater acceptance, and it's always had sort of a bohemian feel to it. And bohemian it is. In the 1950s, Mount Vernon was the hotspot for the beatnik crowd. The neighborhood sits between Micah, an art college dating back to 1826, and the 150-year-old Peabody Conservatory, an institution of musical enrichment. By 1963, the completion of the Jones Falls Expressway essentially amputated the arts community from points north. This made Mount Vernon to the south much more accessible than what is now known today as Station North. In an April 22, 1979 article, published in the now-defunct Baltimore newspaper News American, David McQuay quipped that Mount Vernon is Baltimore's answer to Greenwich Village. Gus Vandecastle, a bartender at Baltimore's oldest gay bar, Leon's, sits leisurely at the bar on the straight side of Leon's, known as Tyson's Place. Peering through his large, rounded glasses, Gus offers a different comparison for the neighborhood. Back in the 60s and the 70s, Reed and Tyson and Park Avenue was the Haight-Ashbury of Baltimore. Gus is known to many as the mayor of Mount Vernon. His connection to the neighborhood stems back to the 1960s. I came through the Mount Vernon area all the time to go to the library and the, the Walters Art Museum and whatever, and I thought it was just the, the best-looking part of town, and I always thought, gee, wouldn't it be nice to live or work down here? And now I do both. It's easy to see that statistically Mount Vernon has changed from a predominantly white community to a more diversified neighborhood. In 1970, only 5.5% of the neighborhood was black. In 2000, that percentage jumped to 388 because there's no census data on sexual orientation nor sexual identity, it's much harder to pinpoint the actual size of the gay population. Gus explains. I would think maybe 30 to 40 percent is openly gay. There's a lot of other people who live here who are still closeted older people who are in their 60s, 70s, and 80s now. They may support what goes on in the community monetarily. They'll go to the festivals and things like that. But they're, they're like you know fringe participants. Just like other communities have done in Baltimore, the gay community has done a lot for the neighborhood. Chase Brexton, a vital health care service provider in the neighborhood, began as a small clinic inside the GLCCB. The GLCCB itself provides much-needed services to everyone, not just the gay community. The community has also banded together in times of peril. In the late 80s and early 90s, there were several killings reported in the Baltimore Gay Paper. Residents held neighborhood meetings at the Drinkery, a gay bar on the corner of Reed and Park. According to most reports, the police were cooperative and non-judgmental. Neil Four is the owner of Neil's, the hair studio. 
Standing amidst a collage of Broadway musical posters, he places the finishing touches on a longtime client's hair as she sits atop one of his many vintage barber chairs. Neil offers his account of witnessing a hate crime. I was invited to a Halloween party that night. I'm dressed in full drag with a big red vagina. So my partner and I leave the salon. We go to the door. The minute I come through the door, I hear this ruckus. I look outside, and there are a pack of about 20 kids with baseball bats beating this guy into the ground. Forgetting how I'm dressed, I run out into this pack of kids, and I start screaming at them, running after them, and I catch six. Up, I chase them from the salon all the way up to Howard Street by the state office. I catch six of these little hoodlums, and, and, and the cops show up. I, I can't see myself, so I don't realize I'm in full drag with this gigantic <laughs> vagina on, talking to these cops. They don't once ever make any kind of snickering. I'm thinking, later I'm thinking, I would have been on the floor. Why are they not <laughs> But the cops actually were great. No one is really able to pinpoint when the gay population gravitated towards Mount Vernon, though everyone seems to agree that without the gay community, the neighborhood would not be as vibrant and socially productive as it is today. The gay community has given the neighborhood a community center, a health clinic, and numerous bars and shops with which to generate income. And finally, and most importantly, as a result of combating gay bashings and hate crimes, the gay community has made Mount Vernon a safer neighborhood. (laughs) 